Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I am really good. We are. We have a really fun topic for today. Hey, if you're brand new, today is Sunday and every other Sunday we have a more than mom episode, which gives us license to talk about non-mom or beyond like motherhood whatever topics. whatever we feel like talking about, <laughs> Which literally yeah. could be anything. And today we're talking about our dream kitchens or fantasy kitchens, kitchen design. And so this came about a couple for a couple different reasons. Um, on Tuesday, this coming week, we're doing one of our week of real life dinner episodes, which the listeners love and we love. And I just realized the acronym for week of real life dinners, it spells world. It blew my mind. In fact, I had no idea what you were talking about when you first wrote it in an outline. I was like, what is that? Yeah, this is what we get for um, abbreviating things in our outline. It's like, hey, fun. So on Tuesday, we're going to be talking about what we cooked the week of March 8th. And it's going to be a really fun episode. But that had me thinking well, about. Well, hold on. Know, I want to stop you for a second. We're yeah. going to talk about what we cooked or consumed. Right. Or didn't. We cook. didn't necessarily cook everything, <laughs> right? I just want to make it clear. I don't cook dinner seven days a week or anything like that. So no. Um, yes, yeah. Moving on. We will get into that on Tuesday. I don't cook dinner hardly at all. But yes, what we consumed in real life for our dinners, and that had us thinking about food and cooking and not cooking. But then also my family and I did our first little getaway since COVID. So in over a year, we went up to the mountains in Big Bear for three days and stayed in a rented cabin. And it was awesome. But it it struck me that being in that little rented cabin kitchen, I hadn't been in a kitchen other than my own and my mom's, which is kind of like, you know, my parents is like my other home in over a year. And so it just, I noticed I was so much more acutely aware of little things about that kitchen, the things that weren't great, the things that I was like, oh, this is really convenient. I really like the way this dishwasher is laid out. And so, um, we thought it would be really fun to do a dream kitchens more than mom episode and kind of pair it with our food related episode coming up on Tuesday. 
Yeah, I'm so excited about this, Sarah. I have always had a weird fascination with kitchens going back to like, um, I don't know if you remember the surveyor's kitchen in By the Shores of Silver Lake by Laura Ingalls Wilder. A a little house novel. You know, we've talked about this offline, but the Shores of Silver Lake is like the fuzziest one in my memory. So I don't I, I remember a lot about that book, but I don't remember the surveyor's kitchen. Okay, well, the sh- they move into this. The family moves into the surveyor's house, and it has this amazing kitchen with like, with like little cubbies that pull out for flour. I remember reading oh, that, you know, at the yeah. age of like seven or eight, and just pouring over it, um, and being so fascinated by it. And and then throughout the years, I've always just loved kitchens. And it's not like I'm not a huge home decor person. I like things to look nice, and I have a pretty. Like I have my own style aesthetic that I like, but I'm not good at like putting it together, um, you know, like a, I don't know, like a, like a fully realized home decor idea. Right. I know what but you mean. Kitchens are something that have always felt so like functional and beautiful and they're warm and cozy and the family gathers there and you make food there. And there's just something, they're just like the homiest, homiest things that there yeah. are. And I've also lived in a ton of different houses. So I've had so many different kitchen experiences, which has made me kind of like have to be really adaptable in kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, we're going to get into this more in a little bit, but I'm also really bad at figuring out how to use a kitchen when I first move into it. So like, there's just all these things about kitchens to me. And I will say like, I spend besides my bedroom, which is where I do the majority of my work, I spend by far the most time in my kitchen, in my home. Yeah. So um, this is really exciting. And I, you know, I haven't, done like a remodel in a kitchen for a long, long time. But there was a time that I had a binder full of magazine tear outs of kitchens. So Which, for um, those yeah. of you, for those of you young people listening, that's what we a did. magazine is a thing that you purchase at the store and it's made <laughs> and of binder. paper. Yes. And, and a you... binder is also a physical object. Yes. <laughs> Before Pinterest and house. Yes. Have you used house? One with two Z's? I have, but you know, honestly, when I made my binder full of magazine tear outs, um, House and Pinterest were both very popular, but I yeah. just liked I and I was actually actively using both, but I just really liked having something to touch and like flip through, you know, I'm yeah, still and a magazine person. It kind person. of is self-limiting too because the internet yeah. is like limitless, which can be mm-hmm. overwhelming. Well, I probably have less of a history of you've probably thought about dream kitchens more than I have. I I think just you know what? You're a better fantasizer than I am. There are certain things (laughs) you you are. You're just a really good dreamer. And I've learned a lot from you about that. And I can be so pragmatic that I think, well, why would I fantasize about a dream kitchen if I can't have it? And I don't I don't mean that in like a super Debbie Downer way, but it's just not the way my mind always works. So I've probably done a little less kitchen dreaming, but I think I still have. And I have a lot of memories. We're going to talk about what we remember about like kitchens from movies and TV when we were growing up. So I think you and I have a lot of parallels here as well. Yeah. I'm going to kick us off with a a gross generalization that I'm sure some of you listening will push back at. But I have observed in my circles that women of a certain age in their 40s or maybe related to when their kids are kind of, you know, getting older and more independent, fall down rabbit holes of obsessions that fall into like big camps. They either get into working out, running marathons, yoga, like fitness, super into it. They get dogs and puppies and become obsessed (laughs) with their pets or they get really into kitchen remodels and like do a big home remodel or all three. (laughs) Yeah, all three. Yes. So I I think that I would agree with that. Yes. Okay. I mean, it is, it's a little bit of a, we're, we're painting with a very broad brush here, but I feel like I have so many friends in their forties who it's like, okay, the kids are all off at school. Like I'm going to redo my kitchen. And I don't have any 
plans or desire to like do a big kitchen remodel. It, it sounds very overwhelming to me, but I do enjoy hearing about others and um, it's fun to see what people come up with. And so maybe if you're listening, you can relate. And, and I, I for sure won't be the dog and puppy person and I don't really see myself being the fitness person. So I guess if, <laughs> if I had to pick one of those camps, it would be home decor for sure. All right. Um, before we go to break, I just want to remind everybody to take our listener survey. It's at themomhour.com slash survey. And it's also in the show notes where you're listening right now. We just cleared uh, 1,000 responses. Nice. Megan, so I feel it's really good response. about that. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. I My personal goal is 2,000 because I like it to be a big, like a pretty sizable ratio of our listening audience so that it just feels like it's a representation, you know, a sample size. I don't know. Maybe I should have been like a statistician in another life. But <laughs> um, So again, we'll leave that open for a few more weeks. And whether you're a brand new listener or you've only listened to a few episodes or you're a long timer, doesn't matter. Um, it really helps us you know, shape the future of the show. It helps us work with the brands that we work with. Um, and we just, it, it's really useful information. So again, that's the momhour.com slash survey. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. <laughs> and I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay. So Megan, you alluded to by the shores of Silver Lake, 
a little house novel. You and I both read a ton as children. And I think we've talked about in other episodes just how much our, I don't know, everything was shaped by those worlds we immersed ourselves in. So Mm -hmm. it's no surprise that kitchens and the way we think about kitchen design kind of has those roots. But I'm thinking also TV and movies all the way up through our like formative teen and, and young adult years. So how much did you notice the kitchens that took place or that, you know, were in your fictional worlds, TV, movies, books? And then are there any that really stick out um, that you just remember or that you loved? Well, another book that I remember is Harriet the Spy. And I remember that that um, she was often like, have you read Harriet the Spy? I, you know, I think only as a child, I never re- revisited it. So I don't have a good memory. Okay. So Harriet, who's the main character, obviously, ha- lives in a, a wealthy Manhattan, I think a, pound, uh, a townhouse or apartment mm-hmm. or something. And there's a lot of scenes that take place between her and her nanny okay. figure, I guess. Um, she's kind of like a, I mean, she's not a governess. <laughs> I guess she's a nanny, but, you know, Harriet's like 11. So yeah. um doesn't get really nannied that much or chaperone but a lot of scenes of her sitting and eating tomato sandwiches in okay. her kitchen. And I remember being fascinated by like what it would be like to live in an apartment. I mean, mm-hmm. where I lived, like you, you didn't, there weren't even apartment buildings really. Yeah. So like that wasn't something that was even on my radar. Um, but then with TV and books, I mean, or TV and movies, I mean, I, so many, so first of all, there was like this aesthetic in eighties movies and a lot of it was awful, but some of like the John Hughes and um, I'm thinking of like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Like there's some oh, 80s yeah. movies that had really cool, like Victorian houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had really cool kitchens where some of it would not have like stood the test of time, but like a lot of it still kind of would. I mean, it was a lot of mauve and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the home alone rose. house too. I mean, yeah. I could, I could give you a full tour of that North shore home alone. Yeah. House. Yes. Um, so there's like a lot of that. Um, the kitchens from the Cosby show and the mm-hmm. show family ties. I was into both of those shows. I watched them on the same night, I believe for a long time and can totally remember. Like I remember seeing the kids in the, in the family ties sitting at like this little, I don't know if it was an Island, like a little breakfast peninsula. Like I can mm-hmm. see it. Um, there's a scene at the beginning where I think the mom and dad, like in the opening credits, like crash into each other in the kitchen yep. mm-hmm. and are like spinning around. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? I remember where their kitchen door was. They'd come in yes, the kitchen in the door, back. wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot yes. of TV sitcoms had that kitchen door. A lot of a lot of things happened. A lot of them were probably on the same set. Too, yeah. You know, so they probably just had to move things around or change the paper, wallpaper or something. Um, but the Cosby show had the best kitchen. So they had like that. Um, like, I feel like it, there was a lot of brick in it and then some brass like there was mm. like brass fixtures it was very warm mm-hmm. had kind of I like remember the layout orangey feel and then yeah the layout was really cool there was like the little peninsula again mm-hmm. and like the, they would stand behind that to cook and then there was like this in the foreground there was the part where you I think where the table would have been yep, like a little I don't round remember actually table ever, yeah so and I don't remember like what it looked like when they sat at that table to eat but I I know that like I can see it in my mind's eye so Definitely that. Um, And then as I got older, this is kind of funny. So I started noticing like in the late 90s, early 2000s, that it felt like every time like Diane Keaton or Meryl Streep were in a movie, they had an amazing kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I actually Googled it and it turns out they were all done by the same designer. This one set designer is, um, I think her name is Nancy. I'll have to look her up. Um, But she is like renowned for her for her um, set design, Nancy Myers. Yeah. That's her name. 
Yeah, I'm looking at this and article she from did Town & Country. Bunch. Yeah. She did a whole bunch. She did Baby Boom, which was, you know, Diane Keaton, I believe, right? Back in the 80s. And that was when mm-hmm. she lost her corporate job because she, like, adopted her. Yes, I don't know. I, I never saw it. Her baby or something. Yeah. And then she decided to start a baby food company. And she ran it out of this country kitchen. And I think it was supposed to be in Vermont or, I don't know. Yeah. Connecticut, something like that. She did the father of the bride kitchen, which mm-hmm. I remember watching that in the early nineties and loving it. Like mm-hmm. lots of hanging pots. Yeah. That seems to be a central theme. Um, but yeah, something's got to give the holiday, like just lots of things on display, which I think is a, yeah. a look that I like, like seeing the things that you use yes. in the kitchen. I love that look. And I love open shelving for that reason. And I, I just like, th- I like to see evidence of life in a kitchen. I think so, that's going to be a, a running theme throughout both of our <laughs> fantasies is I don't think either of us likes the totally sterile look like we no. like a lived yeah. in, which is why TV and movies were so much more satisfying to me for kitchen fantasizing than magazines, because magazines really do try to strip out the overly yeah. personal. And mm-hmm. so even if the family who lives in that magazine kitchen, if it is a real kitchen, um, would have more stuff out on the counter and little plants and baskets and things um, for the photographs, it's really stripped down. So I, I, I think that's why seeing the TV, the fictional kitchens is so satisfying. And I actually, this is a side note, but I would love someday to sit down with a set designer or an art director or the people in charge of someone was just explaining it to me. So it's props are anything you can pick up with your hand, obviously anything that moves around the set, but then I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but then it's, it's set design art direction that is everything else. So like the pictures on the walls and the colors yeah. and the decor. I just think that would be such a fascinating aspect of entertainment. And you and I both watch a lot of like period shows, like period TV and movies. And I'm just endlessly fascinated by the accuracy and the nuance in, you know, mid-century stuff or like England in the 30s or whatever. I love it all. Yeah. 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 Well, remember like Downton, how much we love yes. those. Yeah. Those kitchen scenes. Um, yes. Yeah. And I actually, I worked at a, a marketing agency for a long time that did um, catalog spreads mm-hmm. and they had some high end, um, like some high end catalogs that they would do kitchen spreads for and like, you know, well-known kitchen brands. And yeah, you would have like the set designer and then a stylist whose job really, the stylist's job is like to do things like arrange a bowl of fruit mm-hmm. so that it looks good in a photo. So in a magazine or on a, I'm sure on a movie set or a TV set, you've got all kinds of like, you've got the props mistress who makes sure people have what they need to carry around. But then you also have the things that stay stationary, but that still look like props, but they're not because like Mm -hmm. no one's going to pick up that wax apple and take a bite out of it, but it needs to be like arranged in a certain way. And right. And those are like legit jobs that people do forever. I know. I I think it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, well, did you get through your your main fictional influences? I think I did. I cut yes. you off. Uh, there's okay. more, I'm sure, but yes, you may t- you may take over now. <laughs> well, as you were talking, I was thinking. I think one of the things I aspired, or one of the things my eye was drawn to in fictional kitchens, was less of the family kitchen. Like you talked a lot about, sort of family sitcom kitchens, and even those movies are big family islands and family eating areas. And I think I loved this idea of like. Um, a New York City apartment kitchen, like a Brooklyn brownstone, mm. the young, like a young writer, or I'm, I'm actually struggling to come up with exact movies or shows, but a lot of my influences had to do with this fantasy of kind of being like a young adult on your own or with roommates in like a cute, eclectic, funky kitchen. And 
as we move through this episode, I think you'll see like I still kind of like that cozy, a little smaller, eclectic thrift store like kitchen, even though Mm -hmm. I have a large family and I'm, you know, I live in a bigger house with more space. And there's certainly advantages to those big family kitchens. But there's something I've always loved about like the startup kitchen fantasy. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So a lot of my movies would come into that movies about young people or a young couple um, pre kids, I think, is the ones that I look back and think, oh, you know, I just want to have my coffee in that little kitchen. Um, Sandra Bullock in While You Were Sleeping in Chicago Mm -hmm. just was like a single woman in one of those Chicago brick apartment buildings. And like, I don't know, for some reason, I think that was my fantasy more than the big family kitchen. So did you ever watch Mad About You with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt? I did a little bit, but only I I don't have as good a picture. Yeah. Well, they were in New York City. I can't really remember the kitchen, though, so maybe it wasn't that memorable. Um, And the other movie that comes to mind or the movie that comes to mind is the Julia and Julia, which was the one where the blogger. Yes. Met uh, like logged Julia Child's Mm -hmm. recipes. She lived in a teeny little New York City kitchen. I think maybe Brooklyn. Okay, I can picture Meryl Streep cooking as Julia and I can I have a visual picture of that, but I can't like my mind can't recall the Brooklyn kitchen, but I'm sure it was adorable. All right. Um, Well, I was wondering how you feel. We've touched on magazines and Pinterest and how's and all that. Like, how do you feel about the aesthetic that's big right now? Um, If you were to just pull up Pinterest and look at dream kitchens, like, do you have an immediate reaction to it? I can go first on this. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I think I think there's a lot that I do like right now. I think it's a little. I don't know if boring. I think you were going to use the word boring, too, but. Um, it's like a little too minimalist, I think, for mm. me, but I like it as a base. So like the Joanna Gaines modern farmhouse look, I, I do think is beautiful. I have um, Joanna Gaines's book at home. It's just the pure home design book. And I kind of wanted to like dislike that book or dislike her for some reason, but I really don't. It's really lovely, beautiful stuff. But I think where I struggle with it is First of all, I haven't lived in houses that are made of those materials, the shiplap and the like right. the the wood paneling and the and I'm not going to remodel or rebuild my home. And because it is a kind of stripped down semi minimalist look, it's kind of hard to pull off if you're dealing with like a backsplash tile that looks completely different. So I find myself kind of skipping over what to me reads same same, even though mm-hmm. I, if you ask me if I liked it, I do. I really do like it. I think. And Target's line of Joanna Gaines stuff is dang cute. Like it really, but I think it's like I'm left wanting a little more or feeling like I couldn't pull that off because my floors aren't, they don't look like that. And so much right. of, I think that Joanna Gaines aesthetic has to do with the, the raw building materials. And maybe, maybe uh, every, every aesthetic is kind of like that, but um, yeah. So I guess I like, I like what I see if I pull up like the trendiest looks, but I'm always left wanting it to be a little kitschier or a little like more personalized. Um, a couple specific finds recently. Somehow I started following House and Garden UK. So like the the UK arm of House and Garden and all the like British cottages and stuff. It's just mm. there's more color, more texture, but there's still some of the same modern lines. And um, it's a really fun Instagram account to follow. And then um, both A Cup of Joe and Design Mom, both longtime, you know, lifestyle bloggers, both of them have done series where they feature like photo essays of real families with real kids, but living in really stylishly designed homes. 
And those are always my favorite because it's they really yeah. show people with families, with kids, with like, you know, preschool art on the walls and all. But they are very artsy, like hip, chic people. Yes. So yes. it's like both. And I think the one on Cup of Joe, the uh, Gabby Blair's design mom, I think it's a series called Living with Kids. And I can link that up because she's I think she's been doing it on her blog for years and years. And then a cup of Joe, I forget what she calls it, but she does the same thing. It's like a home tour of some like hip person. And I always love looking at those. So anyway, how about yeah. you? Well, the the whole thing you said about same, same and boring. Um, I feel that way about about 75 percent of the magazine, um, you know, the fe- the featured kitchens, I guess, in yeah. magazines. Um, which when I haven't been on Pinterest in so long, I couldn't even tell you what it's like now. But like when I was really active on Pinterest, all that same stuff was getting pinned. So it's not like I had a, I didn't have a a very different experience on Pinterest. It was just more to find, but it was kind Mm -hmm. of the same, often the same stuff. And, um, that was, you know, 10 years ago, it was all granite, always granite countertops, Mm -hmm. white walls and cabinets. Um, sometimes a different wall color or like a really bright backsplash. But, you know, the white subway tile was huge. This was like 10 years ago when yeah. I was really, really looking because I was renovating a kitchen and stainless appliances. And like, I really didn't want to do that. <laughs> Any of that. I really didn't even want stainless appliances, but it was very hard to find mm. nice appliances that weren't stainless at the time. So I ended up going with like yellow walls. I chose cork flooring. I did butcher block countertops. And then the irony is now a decade later, I am in a really a home with a really nice kitchen and I have granite countertops and I agree. There are some nice things about countertops. I see or granite. I see why they took off. Um, and especially if you add color in other ways yeah. or add softness in other ways, they're fine. And I like them. But a lot of times when you look at like the stripped down version, like you said, in a magazine spread um, or like a real estate type situation, yeah. right? You're mm-hmm. not you're not seeing any warmth. It's all you see is the glossy shine of the granite and the white everywhere. And it's just, I don't know. I'd, I'd still like, if I was starting from the ground up, I would still like do butcher block or I would do um, something like soapstone or copper or poured Mm -hmm. concrete. Um, I once had white Corian countertops that was in our, in our Chicago. I don't know what what that is. Corian is like, it's very practical, hard, I believe it's like one of, I can't remember if it's called a non-porous surface. I think it's called like a non-porous. Okay. It's like a resin, I think. And it's just really hard and really, really practical. And it's just like whatever color it is. It's just like a okay. solid color. I don't know that you can get it marbled or anything mm-hmm. like that. But um, our Chicago wasn't a brownstone, but it was like a, a brick walk-up mm-hmm. um, apartment had that. And I always loved like a soft spot. And I loved them. They were just, they cleaned up really nice. They didn't need like special products to clean them with. Uh, they just worked really, really well. So I guess that's like a long winded way of saying I find most photos I see of kitchens kind of just disappointing. I would say the ones that I really like looking at are, I actually think HGTV uh, magazine has really fun looks like they're not afraid of color Mm -hmm. and like they look like places real people live. And then on the other side of that, um, traditional home and uh, House Beautiful magazine are super fun just to look at. Like everything is so over the top because this is like rich people's houses, mm-hmm. like rich, stylish people's houses. So like none of it is something I would copy or like take to the nth degree. But it's mm-hmm. all if you just want to see like what would a toile, uh, I never know if I'm saying that right, 
that wallpaper with like people and scenes on it, you know? Oh, I didn't. I don't think I even know that word. It's T-O-I-L-E. Okay. I'm going to look it up really quick. And it's like oldy fashioned wallpaper or a fabric Mm -hmm. where you're like looking at a scene with like trees and birds. I can picture what you're talking about. I just didn't know what it was called. Yeah. I looked it up and it is. It's twall. I got it right. Anyway, if you really wanted to know what it would look like to have a kitchen entirely ensconced in twall, (laughs) you can probably find that like in House Beautiful. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do that, but like it's fun to see it. Right. So um, that's kind of and I'm I'm totally going to look up your recommendations because I love the the cottage look and Mm -hmm. and just interesting. I think that what we're coming to here is that we like things that look lived in and interesting, like color and um, weird, like dishes that you use that you collected over the years and they don't all go together. And it isn't like something that you went out and bought on the weekend to make it look like you've been collecting it forever. And um, that overly styled look. And just one more point about like the Joanna Gaines look as a base. I think one thing that happens is that any Anytime you're trying to mass produce anything. Mm-hmm. So Joanna Gaines has a KitchenAid stand mixer. Joanna Gaines has a line at Target. You know, Joanna Gaines has all these things that are supposed to be like her signature look, but they have to be the most like stripped down version right. of that look because they have to source all that stuff overseas. Yeah. And then you have to like pump out X number of version, like of um, items so that people yeah. can buy them. So they really can't be too uh creative they really can't yeah. be too interesting they have to be too the out stuff there people will yeah they right. have to be the stuff most people will buy and feel comfortable with and so if you really just only used that stuff it's like the 10 years ago equivalent of having like live laugh love signs everywhere because yes. you know what i mean like <laughs> yes. they're everywhere yes. and you can buy them and if, you, the, if you just or the 20 years ago version of um like uh, the Ikea, didn't you say you had the Ikea um, with like some Japanese writing yes. or something? Oh my gosh, like, it was red and gold. Yep. Yeah. And it had Japanese writing on it and it had like a gold frame. Yeah. Like yeah. anything you can buy that feels like comfortable to you when you're getting your first apartment when you're 23 or something, maybe isn't going to be what you want anymore when yeah. you've kind of settled into your style. And I, and that's, I, I think, totally the difference. Agree. I totally agree. And that brings up two more quick things. The book I have that's Joanna Gaines book, in case it sounded like I was tearing her down or something. What I like about the book is it's photos of houses that I think she actually, you know, helped redo or design. And they don't all look same, same. She she does um, different house layouts and different looks and the way she uses light and plants and um, art is just really beautiful. And so sometimes holding a physical book in your hand, like you said, with the physical magazines, it's a little bit more self-limited. And so you can really dig into looking at the different images and reading the captions of how she did stuff, which brings me to another tip, which is your public library probably has really good home decor and design books because they're very expensive to buy. And you really just want to look at them for inspiration. Even the magazines can be expensive. So uh, when we first moved to our Santa Barbara house, I just looked up in the library And I found like a great home decor design book just for inspiration. I kept it for like two weeks and I sent it back. It was just got my mind, my mind's eye, you know, going in that direction. And then from there, you know, I love my secondhand finds and this and that. It was like just a little injection of visual. And it was so nice to have a physical book. So libraries are great for that. That's a great idea. And I agree that it is nice to have like a physical thing that you can just look at again and again and again, because You'll look at it once. You're like, oh, that's pretty. And you move. If it's in your Instagram, you move on. Right. But if you have it 
in your sitting in your kitchen, say, and then while you're buzzing around your kitchen, you go and look at it again, and think, well, how would I do this in my kitchen? Because mm-hmm. like, you can't just move into that kitchen. <laughs> so how yeah. can you take the things you like about that kitchen and bring them into yours? And I feel like having something sitting around, even if it's just for a couple of weeks while you have it on hold or on, you know, checked out from the library, um, it just gives you a chance to dive deeper and also do better fantasizing. You know, yeah. I heard, Sarah, that you want to get better at, at fantasizing. <laughs> and I'm here to be your fantasy coach. How about that? Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Just put that in your list of um, future pers- professions. Seems, you can help people like seems me. seems real weird. I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> we are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Megan, our sponsor, Carnegie Hall Kids, is a free website for kids ages 5 to 12 to learn about music through fun games and quizzes. I'm really excited to tell everybody about their new Sites You Can Hear quiz. This is really cool. It's an online quiz you can do with your kids or they can do on their own, and it plays a piece of music, and then you guess what visual image or scene it sounds like. Our listeners may have heard the name Carnegie Hall because of their live performances, but they might not know about all the educational resources they also have for kids and families on their website. Carnegie Hall Kids ignites imagination in children, offering activities that both encourage musical curiosity and develop knowledge of musical concepts. And did we mention free? If you haven't yet, you're definitely going to want to check out Carnegie Hall Kids Interactive Musical Explorers Around the World Map. It teaches kids different musical traditions like Vietnamese folk, cumbia from Colombia, bluegrass and jazz from the U.S., and more. Start the musical journey early and go to kids.carnegiehall.org to check out fun, child-friendly games and quizzes. That's kids.carnegiehall.org. All right, Megan, we've danced around it, but I want you to start to drill down to some specifics now. So if you had to describe your dream kitchen in words, since our listeners don't have images in front of them, um, what would the words be that you would use? So this is where it's, it becomes, this is where my ability to fantasize becomes a, um, a handicap instead of like a help because I can see myself living super happily in so many different kinds of kitchens. Yeah, I think that the one, the one uniting factor or unifying factor in all of them is that they... I want them to have a personality, like a really strong sense of who they are. And Mm -hmm. that could mean like a totally 19, like late 1940s, early 1950s kitchen um, with like the checkered floors and like, you know, those antique looking, 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, appliances, yep. which if I had endless money, I think I could pull off really well. I think with on my budget, it would just look like I moved into a really old house. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and never did the kitchen. Um, so, but I like that colorful mm-hmm. vintage look. I also really love like rustic cottage looks that just look like you've been adding things for mm-hmm. years to them and are, you know, kind of like small and tumble down. I don't know how to put it. Yes, it's not, I, I don't want a junky kitchen, but I want it to look like people have lived there for a very long time mm-hmm. and that it's just been kind of kept up with like a, you know, a stiff broom <laughs> and like a lot of elbow grease and I don't know, polish and stuff over the years. So I would say airy and bright are definitely two things that come to my mind. Like I want it to feel bright, like with lots of natural color. I want windows um, or natural lighting. I said color Uh, windows and then pops of color, interesting touches, but not like bric-a-brac. It's so hard to really put words to this, but I hope it's coming across. It is. It is. And luckily we're not even done with this episode, so it will continue to come out. I think you did a good job. (laughs) Thank Um, you. I, I wrote mine almost like a, like a wanted ad. Okay. Or some kind of little, like Wanted. a little blurb. So fantasy here, my fantasy kitchen looks like a plucky young writer living in <laughs> either a big city brownstone or an English cottage where the okay. bones of the kitchen and the original finishes are old and quirky and full of character. But then she updates it with funky modern touches, thrift store finds, great lighting, plants and fresh flowers. Wow. There you go. That was great. You get to put that like in on a Craigslist or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good day. <laughs> Personals. Oh my it. gosh. But it's funny. I did. I DM'd you some kitchens right before we started recording and you were like, yep, we're the si- we We are circling around a very similar aesthetic. So you and I could live together in our golden years in a ha- very happily in an old kitchen. Yes, I agree. And actually one of the favorite ones that you sent me had um, yellow and blue wallpaper, Ooh, which yeah. wallpaper is back. I mean, I it's really coming back. Yellow for me is also a kitchen thing. I just really love yellow in a kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. But here's another thing I will say, Sarah, the kitchens that you sent me that are all your fantasy kitchen, they all look very, very different. Yeah. So it's kind of like just the same with me, like the things that the elements that I like come together, like they would have to, it would have to be like, um, totally customized to the space, the time of life, like what ingredients Mm -hmm. I had on hand, no pun intended, all that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that and it's it's one reason why I really don't have any desire to ever do a kitchen from scratch. Like if you gave me yeah. a huge budget and said, you know, design your dream kitchen, that's not appealing to me because part of what's appealing to me is making something lovely out of a out of an older quirky space. That's more appealing to that. me. Yep. I agree. So it's and, and obviously like it it would be great to have a brand new kitchen, but something about the fantasy is that it's a pre-existing space that I get to do what I will with, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, well, that kind of brings us to our next question. So we've talked about the fantasy, but I want us to talk about any ways where the fantasy does not, would not work with your current reality. Like if you got one of those dream kitchens, um, maybe we can talk about what the, what the real life issues would be. And I can go first on this. And, you know, I've already said I'm drawn to older, smaller, cozier homes with lots of character, in part because that's not what my real life experience has been. Most of my adult homes have been this kind of, you know, builder issue, mid-range, mass produce, like here's your like mid-range granite countertop that's affordable that we're going to put in every single house in this neighborhood. And here's like the standard issue lighting fixtures. And 
Um, and, and so there's a lot of benefits to that. Those kitchens are updated. They work. The electrical works, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I realized that if I were granted my cozy English cottage, I would probably find some inconveniences like old plumbing and electrical, like drawers that were that are tiny and things that weren't like designed for modern life. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm acknowledging like the internal conflict of thinking cozy, old and quirky is what I want. But really, like I, I do have modern sensibilities and I would be annoyed with I know because I just stayed in a house with terrible tap water pressure and like, yeah, I'm used to modern conveniences. So how about you? Well, I. So <laughs> I'm just thinking this through because same, I guess, except I have not lived really in any of the kind of kitchens that you're describing. I, I mm-hmm. can't think of one house I've lived in that has had a truly sort of, you know, mass um, designed updated, like factory, you know, here's your, here's your modern kitchen. I have not had that. I've had the modern kitchen of 50 years ago. (laughs) I'm sure people were like, you know, moving into in mid century and like super excited about, but I haven't had that as my reality, but I'm still drawn to those like older, quirkier kitchens. So I'm not sure that you, that that's necessarily the only reason, like there's nothing about me that wants that, that mid range, just like whatever you just described, like I haven't had it. I don't want it. Um, I think actually I am, I am very drawn to not that. So, mm-hmm. um, the fantasy kitchen, it's really hard to say where it wouldn't work with my reality because I guess I am so used to adapting to whatever kitchen I have in front of me that that becomes my reality yeah, and you then, would make it work and it would make it work. So I know we're going to get into this in a little bit with like functionality versus aesthetics. And every time I move into a new home with a new kitchen, there's stuff I have to get used to that annoys me a little bit. And then there's like those little happy surprises where you're like, Oh, I like this so much better than the last kitchen. Right. But within a month or two, you know, the new annoyances and the new joys just become day-to-day life. And right. you kind of forget that it ever was a different way. So, right. um, yeah, yeah no, I, I think, don't know. I think that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Well, let's dig into this function versus aesthetic a little bit, because, of course, when we talk about a fantasy kitchen, you mostly are picturing what it looks like. But when you really think about it, are there elements of flow or functionality or layout that feel uh, inseparable from the fantasy look, too? So, you know, when you first asked me this question yesterday, my first inclination was to say, I don't care about function. I only care about aesthetic. And, And I think to some degree that's only true because I'm never really good at figuring out how to make a kitchen function until I've lived in it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I like the functionality just to kind of happen for me. I don't really want to have to think about it too much. Mm-hmm. So like, that's just never really on my mind, but of course it's important. I mean, of course, once I'm into something like right now, the kitchen I'm in, like the area it's, it's an old farmhouse that got built onto. Mm-hmm. So some things in this house are just very awkward. My kitchen's really nice and big, but I don't think it was meant to be laid out the way it wound up where mm-hmm. right now, like there, there's like a bank of um, counters on one side of the room with, you know, under cabinet lighting and like these nice um, glass stores on the cabinets mm-hmm. and a lot of electrical outlets. So that's where I put my electric tea kettle and the toaster and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then that means I'm literally on the other side of the room from the sink. Uh, so like yeah. something like that, I mean, it's inconvenient, but it means mm-hmm. I walk across the room once a day to fill the teapot. It's really yeah. not a big deal. It's just like, it's just one of those things where I'm like, huh, I guess if I was, if I was truly able to take this down to the studs, 
how would I redo it? And I, yeah. I don't really know because I think I'd lose a lot if I did that. So yeah, those like the funkiness doesn't always line up with the perfect functionality sure. of the kitchen. Um, I also just want to mention that I used to have a very, very strong preference for like what they call working kitchens, you know, where it's like the, the, the whole purpose of the kitchen is to cook mm-hmm. and not to gather and not to be an open concept situation where your kids mm-hmm. are sitting at the island. And I used to have a really strong preference for like galley styled kitchens that were very much like working kitchens. And I still am drawn to the practicality of that and the way, Mm -hmm. and I like the idea of just like a working kitchen where you're getting your stuff done. But I've now lived in two homes with like more open kitchens and I can really Mm -hmm. see the, I see the appeal. Like I get Mm -hmm. it. Like I understand why it's nice to have, um, one thing that I had in in this house and then two houses ago was the, um, the stove built into the Island. And I love Mm -hmm. that. It would be actually really hard for me to not have that anymore because Mm -hmm. I don't like having my back to everyone while I'm cooking. But that doesn't mean I want everyone in my face while I'm cooking either. So I like that that right now I have a separate dining room and there's walls and I can Uh send them away. And they're not I'm not like looking at the living room when I'm cooking either. And I I actually Mm -hmm. like that as well. So um, those are, you know, I don't know if that's like a functionality issue because it's definitely an aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a flow. I think it's a um, a flow. Yeah. Like a foot traffic thing and a like the flow of the house, which I think is something we could probably like do a whole bunch of episodes on. It's so fun to think about. We, um, I'm trying to think when, but I'll dig it up for the show notes. But when I moved in July, I feel like we talked a fair amount about how our homes were working from a flow standpoint. And I know I talked a lot about it because my current home is so different from my last couple of homes. So if you really like, if, if you're listening and you like this kind of stuff, I will link up a couple episodes in the show notes. Um, I would agree with a lot of what you said. Our, our range is on an Island now. It's funny the the kitchen we have now, the house was built in 77 and then, and it was remodeled a couple of different times. And so there are certain things about the kitchen that have been beautifully updated. And then I think, I don't know, we have the plan somewhere and I'd like to look, I think it was originally a galley kitchen and then a wall was pushed out. So it is more of an open concept now, but it doesn't look like it was always that way. So I'd be really, I'd be curious, but the only thing I was going to add about function is water and lighting and kitchen sink are feel very like essential like a basic if you are going to be a grown-up who washes a lot of dishes and stands (laughs) in your kitchen you deserve no matter your budget you deserve good lighting and hot water at a at a nice um water pressure and I mentioned that this rental cabin that we stayed in had it was comically bad water pressure it was the kind where it was like a like a drizzle to wash your dishes and it's it's mountain water so it takes a while to get hot And it was just like, oh, my gosh, it made me appreciate my kitchen sink so much. And you kind of sometimes you forget about these like very basic fundamentals until you don't have them ideally. So I like a lot of artificial light and sunlight. I like all the light and I like to be able to adjust the light to my preference. Um, And then I like water that gets really hot for washing dishes when you want it to be really hot. I'd prefer that it gets really hot fast and that the water pressure is good. So those are my kind of like. I don't well, know. Those are very, those are pretty attainable. I think, like, yeah. those, I think yeah, you're yeah. right that those are things. The last house I lived in the one with the teeny, teeny, teeny kitchen, which I actually learned a lot about making great use of space in that kitchen. Yeah, that was so, a really like, cute. That kitchen. was an enjoyable, yeah. it was very cute and it was really enjoyable. Um, it did not, the sprayer never worked and like mm. it was something they were going to fix and it just never got fixed. And I just, I was always just too busy to deal with it. Yeah. I think it maybe ended up 
getting replaced like a year after me living there when I'd almost forgotten about using it or something. Right. And I just remember thinking, and it was a single, um, single basin, I guess is what they call it sink. Uh So it only had one place to put all your dishes, which can work if it's huge and there's a disposal, but there was no disposal. So those were things where, you know, it's really hard to get kids to get used to not putting their food covered dishes in the sink. If they're used to being able to do that from the last house and like to retrain them not to was really hard. But then there wasn't another place for me to move dishes out of while I got the gunk out of the strainer. Yeah. So that was annoying. And, but, you know, we dealt. It was okay. It was all right. Um, yeah. I want to ask you about this open shelving concept and the, yes. the evidence of life in a kitchen. And listeners, we will uh, have some way to visually show all this. We'll put some, some images in the show notes or we'll make a little Instagram like story or something. I mean, it's not our kitchens. It's, it's our fantasy kitchen. So we yeah. will be borrowing. Mind you, this is our <laughs> kitchens are not that fantastic. No, but you know, they're nice. but both you and I have said, we like this look of evidence of real life. I'm noticing a lot of little plants, like plants are very in right now. Lots of, lots of stuff. Now I don't like a lot of appliances on my counter. I, I, I want a pretty, like if I can, I, I like to have less of that kind of stuff on the counters. But I love, like you said, the, the open shelving or the cabinets that are, I have some that have glass doors now, but have you ever actually like tried to pull off open shelving or is it still a fantasy? I did. Um, I'm trying to remember when I did. Yeah. When we did that remodel, I had Mm -hmm. open shelving around my, trying to remember if it was on the sink side. We definitely did not do all of it open. Yeah, because I think we realized that not all of our stuff was nice enough. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of like what I was getting at. Is yeah. like it, it opens up a whole. It's it's very exposed. But we did have some open shelves right around right around the sink, and that's where I kept like my Pyrex. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see it. I, I'm sure I have pictures someplace I can dig up. Um, but it was just like really simple open shelves, and that was where we kept like the pretties, the pretties, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. like um. And then many of the kitchens I've lived in have had some element of open shelving, even if it's not like where you put your plates and glasses, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like a little, even my tiny little kitchen had like one wall, like almost like, I don't even know what you'd call it, like an end cap um, Mm -hmm. where I would keep like some of the more colorful bowls and things like that. So I, I never, I never was really able to see it through because I've seen kitchens where it's truly, that's all they have. And I really like the ones where they're thick, like a big, thick yeah, shelf. Like a block. I yeah. love the way that mm-hmm. looks. Um, but then I thought, well, do I even have enough good looking stuff to put on it? And then what if the kids put it away wrong and it just right. looks dumb? So it just, it felt like a risky move. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's exactly where I was circling around. Cause the Instagram DMs I sent you, several of them have beautiful open shelving concepts, but you can tell there's yeah. like, an artfully placed pitcher and like two right. stoneware yes. bowls, you know? Right. So it's, yep. It, it has some limitations. I was curious if you'd thought about that. One of the ones you sent me, it's like the, um, it was from cup of Joe and the kit, the shelves are, it's like, um, like basically a cabinet without like cupboard, cupboards without doors. So it's not okay. like the shelves that are free standing. They're like built yes. in. Right. I'm looking at and that one. The now. back yeah. of it is, is painted green. And then all of the bowls and dishes inside of it look like they're all white and yellow. So it looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, but then you have to have all white or yellow dishes to coordinate. Like, and then maybe I'll get there someday. Maybe that's like my, right. my Meryl Street moment. Right. <laughs> you know, when do I get to have my Meryl Street kitchen? 
And that one, I'm just digging in on this photo and we will share it. So a couple things I like about that one. First of all, that's one of like a real, that's a real lady in her real kitchen. I don't know who she is. It's a real human being. Okay. It's not a super staged, it's not a model kitchen. I love that there's art on the walls, including in the kitchen area. Sometimes I think we're afraid to put stuff on the wall because, you know, there's grease splatter and water moisture and stuff, but there's something very cozy about prints, art prints or framed stuff. So I love that. Um, and then I love the basket and the the yes. use of textile. So it's just, it's very, uh, this is very, I would say like farmhouse, not even modern yeah. farmhouse. It's like true farmhouse, except I think, I don't know where she is, but um, it's, it's simple. Nothing is like overly expensive looking necessarily in that kitchen. I love the little bit of backsplash. Does it look like that's a little tile situation? Yeah, I think it is. I like that her towel is a little crooked. Yes. Hanging on the stove. <laughs> Yeah. It just looks very real. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I think I had that range, that range in one of my houses, actually. Um, okay. So we will definitely bring all of you listening into some of the things we're looking at. But, well, I think I'm, I'm wrapping up, Megan, unless you think there's some element we haven't discussed. No, I think we should do a part two of this, like, in a year. <laughs> like, come back and revisit it and see if either of us have changed anything about our kitchens or. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I could be living in a totally different house by that point. So I'll just. Oh, you know, one thing I was going to say, if you really want to look at, um, and I meant to mention this earlier, if you really want to get inspired by the way people are using space and bringing color and things um, into kitchens, look at like um, RV and camper remodels or like school school bus remodels. They are so fun to look at because people get, basically they just have a galley space and they redo the whole thing as like one kind of cohesive look, but the Mm -hmm. kitchens are sometimes so fun and you really see how people make it work with like one bowl you know, one pot, one pan instead of 17. So I love that. I love that. And if you were recording this kind of at the end of winter and the end of a very long, well, it's not the end of a very long year, but we've, we've marked one year of what has been a tough time for a lot of people. So just a reminder that really small things can brighten up your kitchen. It sounds so cheesy and cliche, but daffodils from Trader Joe's are out and they cost 99 cents a bundle. And if you put them in a mason jar, it looks real farmhouse and real cute. Um, I'm big about like bringing stuff out or in from the outdoors, even if it's not like some plant I know the name of or that some flower that's trendy. I just clip something and put it in a little jar of water. Um, So there are it can be really discouraging to talk about fantasy houses and fantasy kitchens. And I've been there, but it doesn't have to be like you really can do very small things or put on some music or just give the sink a good scrubbing. There's like all kinds of really little things that can make you love your space. And I think you and I over the years, Megan, have, you know, we've both been there where it's like you really don't like your space. And then you realize like, oh, it just it doesn't take that much to like my space right. a little bit more. So absolutely, just a reminder. OK, well, like we mentioned on Tuesday, two days from now, we're going to do an episode that falls into our week of real life dinners or world. No, just kidding. I'm not really going to use that. But it does around the world. Um, And that's going to be really fun. So come back on Tuesday. And again, thanks for filling out the survey. One more ask for that. It's at themomhour.com slash survey. And we are halfway to our goal. So thanks for helping us by filling that out. And Megan, this was fun. This was really fun. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media 
and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.